Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. This, this is a little segment that we call Critical Commentary with Cousin Chris. So I want to welcome to the program uh, Chris, Chris Nowhere. Chris, Chris, thank you for joining us here. If, if folks are on hold, just hold on. We're going to take a couple calls during this segment as well. So just stay on hold for us, please. But Chris... There's a lot of headlines. Yes, there's, there's, there's a lot of headlines and a lot of things that, that we could be talking about today. But over the course of the last few programs, and I think this has been something that's been bubbling up under the surface up for, for us here on Evening Words. And I, and I shout out to everybody on Facebook. They're like, yo, you know, don't worry about it. Keep it moving. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But, Chris, I think that I am operating from a place a lot of times when I'm talking about race or talking about racism where I'm assuming there's a shared conceptualization of those concepts in the community. And I, and I don't want to say that there isn't. I still believe that there is. But there are a few folks out in, in, in my wonderful listening audience who I think sometimes are, are trying to define it in a different way, right? Um, uh, sometimes trying to empty it of, its, of the meanings around those particular terms that I think are most political and most pertinent to black people in America. And so, and so I know like you, you live in a space where, you know, you, you have the legal background, but you're really, you're a policy guy because you've been around a lot of policy and been around and worked with and supported and written for a lot of policy makers. And so we had, we had Dr. Holloway on, who's a legal studies scholar and kind of gave us that legal piece yesterday still didn't really get the consensus that I think it should have around how we define race here in America and how we define racism here in America. And I'll be clear, you already know my bias here because is that my bias is I'm most invested in eradicating and confronting anti-black racism. So I'm not just out, you know, I understand racism is a larger problem, but if you if you boil it down to like my work and what I work on, what I focus on, what I write about, is a little bit more focused on the kind of anti-black room of the work against racism in America. But I, I'm wondering if you could riff with me a little bit, talk a little bit about how you see it, define these terms uh, from the context of your own professional experience. Uh, so the, the question is, well, first of all, I'm happy to be here. This is Cousin Chris on the one and two, you know, <laughs> greetings to all your, 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 your valued listeners and watchers on World Radio. I guess the question, James, is how do I define uh, race? Is yeah, that the question? That's the question. The, you know, race is a construct. Many times it's somewhat seem, seem like a construct of society, but um, my definition has to do with uh Ethnic background, language, culture, hmm. um, uh, those are the determinant factors that distinguishes people, one group of people, from another group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this about uh, our race, meaning uh, the, Af- the African race, or more importantly for us, would be the, 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 the subgroup called African-American. Mm-hmm. And I will say this about that ethnic group um you know the great elaine Locke, uh uh in his uh uh analysis of 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 the so-called race problem in america he said that you know as black folk a lot of times uh our idea of race is a a we have a common problem Mm -hmm. 
So he defines race sometimes as a, the common problem of black folk mm-hmm. rather than race as a, as a, as a common consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I believe that being black is a certain level of consciousness. A lot of people will, will disagree with me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, and when, when, you, when you say a certain say, level of consciousness, you mean being black is 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 a certain level of awareness about our history, about our culture, about our language, or about our politics, or is something else? Right. Okay. So 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 being black is not just about having a certain skin color. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, and this is what I believe Alan Locke, who was the first African American uh, Rhodes Scholar, I believe the first black uh, world scholar in any sub subculture. You're getting a lot of shout outs on Facebook because you're getting a lot of shout outs on Facebook. Go ahead. You're getting a lot of shout outs on Facebook <laughs> right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, just given the concept of who I lay in lock, he wrote a great book called The New Negro. Let's in go. 1925, a revolutionary text where he's analyzing what the old Negro was and what this new Negro in the modern era, era of that moment in time and how he described race was that Race for black folk has been more of our understanding of a common problem rather than a common consciousness amongst ourselves. Mm. And so I sort of start from there that I believe that uh, race is something that you're conscious of. Those of us who sort of try to shy away from that, I don't really consider that being black. You know what I mean? In my in my worldview, mm-hmm. you know, my worldview of blackness means that you're very conscious of what it is to be black. You're very conscious of the of of, of what it is to maintain a certain way of thinking that is analogous to the African roots from which we came. Hmm. And so that's how I look at, at race. But broadly speaking, races are those things that distinguishes you from another group of people. That can be your culture, that can be your food, that can be your language, and a lot of your religion. A lot of those things go go into what that is. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed you're leaving out like the phenotypical, biological, genealogical things because one of the reasons why you see scholars, and I know folks don't always like scholars talking about stuff, but the reason, one of the reasons why scholars refer to race as a social construct is because when you look at the biological data, you look at the range of representations of so-called black people, people who make up whatever's the, the race of black folks around the world, they represent such a full range of those phenotypical genealogical traits, those the, the way your texture of your hair or the color of your eyes or size of your lips, size, and they represent such a full range that the boundaries get really blurry if you try to reduce it to to some kind of biological basis. Well, and also I think it I think that's a part of what has created the issues around racism is that there is a human race, there are people from different parts of this earth that have different physical traits. Uh, I don't consider, I don't consider in a in a real, uh, um, uh, 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 in a vacuum, I should say, I don't consider those, you know, those differences really racist. It's a social construct, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know what I mean? I, I'm, a, I'm a realist. I understand that there are certain people that view people like us differently. And that's, Correct. You know, that's, and, and that generates this sort of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um Clearly, we are from a different part of the earth that has created certain traits within us um, and that, you know, some people identify that as a race, as a this or that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's cool, whatever. But I think my idea of race does not necessarily include that. But I do understand that language, culture, religion, these things separate us from other people. The way we live our lives, the way we think, the way we dress, 
are things that differentiate you from other people. But again, black folk, more or less, we have to have a consciousness of that mm-hmm. in order for us to really view ourselves as a group. And I think sometimes we, cons- we consider ourselves a group by the common enemy that we have. Mm. rather than to real group consciousness. Right, so I love this. We're going to take a couple calls here, Chris. I love this idea. First of all, thank you for for, for coming on and, and giving that definition. Again, uh, Cousin, Chris defi- def- Cousin Chris's definition may not be exactly the same line, but I love the I love the proactive nature of the definition, that you have to be actively conscious about your culture, your history, those things, those attributes to whatever your ethnic background are, because to me, that is that is the antidote to what Elaine Locke was talking about. Now, if we if we look at someone like Du Bois, who really who really helped black folks to understand that that you know if if the only time they're talking about you is as a problem, that's a problem, right? He really helped black folks. But it, it seems like the new Negro and Elaine Locke is graduating even from that and saying, "Yo, we're we're talking about black consciousness as 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 a piece that." That, that unites us. I think it's very hard to argue against that um, as at least one important pillar of how, how we define race because we, we got to, let's take a couple. Hey, well, one, one little caveat before you go to commercial. Yeah. Uh, we're not going we to commercial, we're going to calls, that. but go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, caveat. Oh, I'm sorry. We can all agree that there are certain people in our community who look like us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But does that necessarily mean they are of us? <laughs> Are you trying to say that all skin folk ain't kin folk? What are you talking about here, cuz? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, that doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Just because you look like me does not mean that you think like me. You know what I mean? Or you have a group consciousness like mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we get fooled in, in, in a lot of different, different ways. You know, we, have, we play this game around people like Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is, is, can be whoever he wants to be. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? But can he? But but did, he also can claim blackness. I mean, it depends on what you define blackness. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, so know, so so yeah. I so Clarence Thomas is black, right? Because for me, what, however we conceptualize blackness, I have to believe that it contains multitudes, right? So it for me it has to contain just like the same way the reason why the biological basis for race broke down was because of the research around DNA and around genetics and around, you know, what people really look like all over the world. And when it comes down to the come down, the things that they were trying to to connect to race, like hair texture or eye color, it's like 1% of the human genome, right? It's like, it's a very, people, it's hard for people to, to embrace this, but like, we really are a lot more alike as human beings than we are different, even though it looks different. And so obviously the fact that we attach so much to such a tiny percentage of what we're made up of reveals or should reveal to us how socially constructed race is. It's about, you know, that people use race to divide us. People use race to discriminate. People use race to say, you're not going to get this and you can get that. Then when we say social construct, it encapsulates all of those things. And so if I, if I, in my philosophical viewpoint on this, if I accept the, the, the research and the data on, on the breakdown of the, of the, the longstanding, this is centuries of science saying that there's these biological differences. But if I accept the data that breaks that down, then I also do have to accept the fact that someone like a Clarence Thomas, someone who 
thinks completely, his consciousness about being black or not being black is completely different from mine. I still have to accept that within the the, the multifaceted multitude of personas and, and, and people and personalities that can exist within the, within the framework of what we might call blackness in the 21st century. I understand what you're saying, James. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I understand what you're saying. The experience of being African-American or African anything in the diaspora is that there's a history of knowledge and understanding being taken away from us. Correct. And so the, 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 our consciousness, unlike other groups of people, our consciousness has also been violently disrupted. Correct. And so for me, unless you reclaim that, mm. then you're missing blackness to me. Mm. Mm. And, and you have to, you have to avidly, you have to, you intentionally reclaim that. And when you reclaim that, then I believe you live a little differently as well. Mm. You know, and your worldview changes, I think, to some to some extent. And so it's more difficult to me to be African-American than it is to be African, because we're dealing with a double consciousness. Right. Mm. As, as the boy would say as well, mm-hmm. because if you're born into a certain culture, and you have all that the history, you have all that cultural history. You know, your forefathers from seven, eight, ten generations, your level of consciousness is different than someone who has not? Mm-hmm. So, do, are they? Do they look the same? Yes. Mm. Look like the same person. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. has to do with you know just just physical attributes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I believe that race, if it's going to be a social construct, see that's my thing. Right. I don't believe that it should be. But if it's going to be, then that means there is a it is a social construct. So we can define what that social construct is. Got it. And we can make those determinations on what it is and what it's not if we play the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Let's, let's take some calls because um, we're going to take Tracy from Albany. Tracy, welcome to Evening Words. Do you have a question or comment for Cousin Chris? Did we lose Tracy? Looks like we lost Tracy. Let's keep it moving. Let's go to Obona. Obona, welcome to Evening Words. You have a question or comment for Cousin Chris? Hey, 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 Dr. Peterson. Hey, hey, Cousin Chris, how you doing? Doing good. And I'm all right, my brother. Great. You know, I really didn't call to talk about race and racism, but I... I oh, we had... To, you, you and I had that discussion last night, Oh, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll take a shot, though, because when I defined racism yesterday as the thought or concept that one so-called race is genetically superior than another so-called race. So the, the reality is there is only one race, and it's a human race. We have different ethnicities, mm-hmm. but there's really only one race. Mm-hmm. So when Correct. you say, so, so I mean, that's, that's how I feel in regards to the, the whole race distru- mm-hmm. uh, discussion, and it's, it's definitely a social construct, and uh, I don't know how we get rid of it. Mm. But, but can I make a comment about that shooting? And it kind of ties in with racism. Yeah, make, so, so let me just fill in Cousin Chris real quick. So, so and I, I, I haven't followed this as closely as other hosts on WRD have, but a, sh- a police shooting in Philadelphia, um, you know, obviously a community frustrated, upset about it. There was some video that was released that initially appeared that the police maybe were trying to obscure the truth around the shooting. A longer form version of the video that I haven't seen yet 
was released. And then, Chris, a caller uh, called in today essentially saying that that the shooter bought this. I mean, the, the young person who was shot bought this on themselves because they had an illegal gun. They had this. They had that. They had multiple times to not to comply, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't weigh on it. I just let the listeners speak. But Obona, you have an opinion about this, because obviously anytime there's a shooting, race is a, is is a part of whether it's socially constructed or whatever decision we have when there's a police shooting race has something to do with it but go ahead oh right so i i want to tie it tie it in with um that uh study that was done that the city did mm-hmm. i want i want to so so gun violence okay so gun violence is gun violence whether it's by a police officer or by a you know a citizen mm-hmm. it's gun violence so you know the the a study said that at its root Structural racism, poverty, and unemployment are the causes of gun violence in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. That's what the study said. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that whole scenario there, and you, and you see it, first, he's in there playing a chance game, trying to make some money. Mm-hmm. Trying to get some money. That's the poverty part of it, mm-hmm. you know? Those machines and, shouldn't even be in those communities, Obama. Don't get me started on that. Don't get right. me started on I'm that. I'm just saying they shouldn't be. I mean, and and again, our elected officials, I'm pretty certain, have to okay those things in there. And mm-hmm. and those things are not in Chestnut Hill. They are not. They're they're not in. Chris, these are those gambling there. machines that they have in like bodegas and and, and, and oh, okay, got it. And, and, so, and yeah, go ahead, go ahead, oh. So so this is structural racism. <laughs> <laughs> this is structural racism. Mm. So when you're, you're saying it's structural racism that they place those kind of gambling machines in our communities, in, in, in yes. our communities, yeah. and the fact that someone yeah. is broke, that they have to go in there to try to make some extra money. Mm-hmm. So gun violence. Let's tie it back into to gun violence again. Mm-hmm. You know what the causes of gun violence is, and everything that went on in that in that store. Ties right back. He, he was unemployed. He was there because of structural racism. And what's the third piece? He's uh, poor. Uh, unemployment, poverty, yeah. and structural racism. That's right. So okay. <laughs> if those three things are addressed by our city officials, they're not going to be left off the hook on this one. Mm-hmm. If they got a study done, the study came back and said, <clears throat> yo, uh, structural racism, poverty, Unemployment. Mm-hmm. Where are the policies that address those issues? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that oh, we got to go to a a, a a a special class. Send the kids to the to a class to learn about conflict resolution. Oh, let's do this. Let's. No, that's not what the study said. The study said structural racism, mm-hmm. poverty, unemployment. Let's mm-hmm. deal with it. That's what it is. Thank you, brother. Oh, I, pre- I appreciate you. Appreciate that. Cousin Chris, you want to comment that, especially on, on the structural racism? Because I know I asked you to talk about race and racism, but what, what, what thoughts on structural racism? Well, stru- structural racism is something that, that's, you know, you know, no, well, first of all, let me just rewind uh, a certain thing. My honest to God feeling on this topic is that if you believe that someone is better than you because of the color of your sin, you have a psychological disorder. <laughs> so I look at it, like a psychological. You say white supremacists are crazy. <laughs> is that yeah, what? I would say that someone who thinks that someone is better than them because of the color of their skin actually has a psychological problem. Interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you know, and, and I keep it in that context. Remember, we live in a we live in a society in which we have all sorts of isms. We're talking about this, but we also live in a, a society that treats people differently because 
they, you know, some people may be bigger than others. Yeah. You know, we, mm-hmm. we live in a society in which you treat people, you know, differently that so-called may not look, you know, have a certain look that you may not find attractive. You actually treat them differently. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I believe all of that is a psychological disorder in my mind. But um, to the issue of structural racism, clearly we have had a society that has built upon this so-called psychological disorder. It has built systems based upon one group of people being either more important based upon the color of their skin mm-hmm. than others and governments and power structures have been built to, to, to built on that. That's so of correct. course we have uh, structural racism. Of course we have uh, issues where certain people have gotten jobs in city government. And so a certain type of people may be employed, therefore enforcing laws that have been around for many, many, many years. And when I say laws, I'm not just talking about, the law that's written, I'm talking about the unwritten laws mm. that are written mm. in many cities and mm. communities mm. that, that like these that, kinds that of things go in this neighborhood. This is how police respond to certain things in this kind of neighborhood like this. The yeah, unwritten which, is, which, 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 which is a form of law. It may mm-hmm. not be the written law, mm-hmm. but if, if there are ways in which people moderate themselves, people interact, that is an unofficial law, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if that is adopted by a lot of people, it has almost the force of law. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And therefore, it becomes the law in the street, the law in the community. It's not until you actually challenge those things in a court of real law mm-hmm. that those things can be broken down. But how many people take things to court? Mm. You know, how, how accessible is the court system? Mm. How many people have access to lawyers? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So these things are not really checked a lot. But believe me that if something is happening in a community that is unjust and continues to happen, it's being supported by an unwritten rule, mm-hmm. you know, an unwritten law. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And those things are illegal, but until you do something about it, it is the law of that land, the law of that uh, community, mm-hmm. cause we got we got to take a break. Can you can you sit with us for another segment? We got about we got a bunch of people on hold who, who want to talk to you. So, uh, you're, oh, absolutely. You're, you're listening absolutely. to evening. Yeah, we got to we got to lighten up the subject matter though. You okay. know what I'm okay. saying? <laughs> You listen to the evening words of your host, Dr. James Peters. We're in, we're in our critical commentary with Cousin Chris segment. Um, if you want to join the conversation, please give us a call at 215-634-8065. We'll be back after these messages. Time for a traffic update on Word Radio. Watch for a broken down vehicle in Cherry Hill. This is 38 eastbound at Haddonfield Road. The left lane's blocked, and we've got some heavy delays stretching back to Cuthbert Boulevard. 76 jams eastbound, Montgomery Drive to University Avenue. Westbound is heavy, University Avenue to the Vine Expressway and the Boulevard to Belmont Avenue. 95 is heavy northbound, Allegheny Avenue to Bridge Street. Got some volume on the Vine Expressway eastbound. 76 to Broad Street and westbound, Parkway to the Schuylkill Expressway. Heavy volume on the Boulevard. This is northbound from the Google Expressway to Broad Street, back to Jersey. For some delays on 42, this is uh, southbound between 76 
and Creek Road. Report brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance is making it easy to save money when you bundle your auto policy with home condo or renters. You'll earn a multi-policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit Progressive.com. That's Progressive.com. And for more traffic information, log on to SigAlert.com. I'm Jason Lee with your Philadelphia area traffic. What's up, everybody? My name is Dr. Victory Anium. I own my own practice in Wynwood called Victory Chiropractic and Performance. I'm a chiropractor with a specialty in sports medicine, and I specialize in getting you out of pain as quickly as possible by helping you get to the root cause of why it's happening and making sure it doesn't happen again in the future. If I can help, please reach out to my office by calling us at 610-642-2300. These days, my happy place feels a little happier, even if the fish are inviting. Mental Health Care is working for Diego. See what it can do for you at mentalhealthcareworks.org. A message from the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. And now, back to Evening Words with Dr. James Peterson on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Welcome back to Evening Words. I'm your host, Dr. James Peterson. We are live on WRD, 900 AM, 96.1 FM. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a call, 215-634-8065. That's 215-634-8065. We're in conversation. Actually, we are in our critical commentary with Cousin Chris segment. And um, we're, we're going to go to the phone lines, Cuz. Uh, we got James from North Philadelphia. James, welcome to Evening Words. Do you have a question or comment for Cousin Chris? Hey, what's up, Doc? What's up, girl? How's it going, brother? Pretty good, uh, pretty good. Man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Cousin Chris is on the he's in the cut. All right, all right. Uh, I, I would just like to say I understand all the negativity. Uh, facts. We have to become aware of what's going on right now. Constructional uh, racism. That of rewind. I was watching the show, not saying any names, uh, and they had the KK panel. This was years ago, man. And it was a, a young girl up there. She made a statement like, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. So I took that as a, as a young teenager. Uh, as far as fear, we have to wake up and realize that all of the followers, of the Confederates. We already know what it is. They're out there in all professions. Mm. We just have to wake up and see who who do our homework. Each individual out there. Because the Confederacy don't like nobody. I love y'all. Thank you, Brother James. I appreciate that. Cousin Chris, you want to respond to that comment? I mean, the brother really spoke for himself, James. Right. Let's go to the next call. Yes, sir. Next, next call. We got Brother Joseph from Massachusetts. Brother Joseph, welcome to Evening Words. Good afternoon, Mr. Peterson, your guest. Cousin Chris is our guest. You're in the middle of this segment, Critical Commentary with Cousin Chris, Brother Joseph. How are you doing today? Uh, I, I didn't want to talk about race, but I don't turn down from a good argument. But you know the old saying, I didn't have to run for the Ku Klux Klan. I shouldn't have to run for a black man. The quote is, I never had to run from the Ku Klux Klan, so I shouldn't have to run from a black man. Yes. You know it better than me, you (laughs) African-American. But, you know, there's the old saying, the train is coming, better get on board. Y'all keep talking. I don't want to say you people. 
You keep bringing up that race issue and let's see what's going on, like your caller before call. For instance, they open a center for the illegal. Another thing, you can't put the immigrants, legal immigrants with the illegal. I, let me go rapid fire and show you what I'm talking about, why I get it. You know I like Donald Trump. And ain't nobody gonna tell me that man wasn't gonna do big for African American. He's the greatest thing since Emancipation Proclamation, 1862, June 10, June 19, 1864, Galveston, Texas. He's done a lot for black. But when you keep getting in an argument, you can't get nowhere. You don't. You don't bring it up. I was in Flushing Queens. You know, Flushing Queens has six, over 50,000 Koreans. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting on the bus, and I got my hand on the bus stop. And I look up on it, and it says 1695 or something like that. The Quakers found in Flushing Queens. Mm-hmm. John Baum would live there. They had John Baum High School. I would love to go to that high school. I'm sure you won't get that. This is important. John Baum lived there. Them Koreans when I try to study who John Brown is, the abolitionists who, who will free to fight for freedom. John, John Brown is, is one of the most famous uh, abolitionists uh, probably in the history of this country. But go ahead, go ahead, Brother Joseph. Yeah, that's what I'm showing you. So there's 50, I live in Corona, next time over Flushing, next time over Jackson Heights, Edwards, the largest immigration, uh, the most um, um, mixed up, different immigrants under the United Nations Charter in the world. These people, look, uh, let me get here, let me speed up. Roxbury, the historical black neighbor, Malcolm X lived there, right here in Boston. I'm listening on the local station, NPR, that they're going to they open a center, a rec center, they're going to make for the illegal immigrants. More here, they're going to spend over $200 million on them. So, so, brother Joseph, I'm, I'm gonna stop you there because you've given us a lot to, to to chew on. Let's let's we're gonna move on to our next caller, but I want to give uh, a cousin Chris a chance to 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 comment on this. And cause you know we we you and I think we've already done a a critical commentary segment talking about immigration, but immigration, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but 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 I mean, brother Joseph is saying first he wants to really make sure we distinguish between um, legal immigrants and those who are undocumented. But what I would add to this is that. I can feel the anti-immigration sentiment in our community bubbling up during this presidential cycle. But 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 if you want to respond, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have the gentleman who you know, you have the Homeland Security uh, Secretary who's who's being impeached. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I would say this uh, to the you know again, like, as you as you stated, we've had this conversation. Critical, critical commentary with cousin Chris has has dealt with this subject matter, uh, but. Um, what I will say is this: uh, people who are crossing that, those those borders are risking their lives, mm-hmm. uh, and they're risking their lives. One way to look at it could be that they're coming here for jobs. I, I that just said maybe that. Maybe yeah. it's a maybe it's a, a a interesting barometer that people are actually risking their lives to come to this country because perhaps the economy is as in such a place that that they are finding jobs here. And so, uh, no different than as I mentioned before, uh, after World War One, um, when many GIs went overseas and and the European migration to this country had slowed down or in fact stopped during that war, uh, industrialists from from the uh, from the North and Midwest came to the South and recruited Black folk mm-hmm. to come to those areas to work, to find new life, and to find opportunity. 
and and all sorts of beautiful things. And so our country has been built upon these things, and 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 I don't. I just personally choose not to be to fall into a trap of being anti-immigrant, um, uh, or, or or to look at these people who are fighting the government of these countries as being anything but people who are looking for opportunity, just like our forefathers. Who, who moved from the south to the, during the Great Migration look for opportunity as well. I love that touchstone for the for the immigration slash anti-immigration conversation. But yeah, I just again want to say we we have had that conversation. Happy to have it again. But I appreciate your perspective on that, cousin Chris. We're going to stay on the phone lines. Uh, we are going to uh, brother Woody over there, Woody's Barbershop in Winfield. Brother Woody, welcome to the Evening Words. You're on with cousin Chris. Do you have a question or comment for him? Yes, I have a question and a comment. Uh, I'm enjoying the program, man. You guys, I'm telling you, once you get on, Doc, you, you, you're something else. And now you got a cousin. I can tell it must be in your blood. Both of y'all are pretty heavy brothers. He's a smart brother over there. Yeah, Cousin Chris is a very, very intelligent young man. But, but uh, Cousin Chris, I'd like you to check something out. Uh, I, I was talking with a professor of race relations, and it was unscripted. Uh, and I asked the professor, how do you view race? Is it singular or plural? I'm going to ask you the same question. Hmm. Uh, I believe that, uh, you know, again, I believe that there's one race of people. And I don't say that as someone who's trying to duck anything. Mm. You know, when I look at uh, kangaroos, I see a kangaroo. When I look at um, when I look at lions, I see lions. When I look at giraffes, I see giraffes. When I look at when I look at human beings, I see one human being. I see different colors. I see human beings that eat different foods. I see human beings that existed on different parts of this earth, but I do not see a separate race within there. Now, given that, knowing how it has become a social uh, construct, I personally take that to another level. If it's going to be a social construct, construct, then it's not going to be a social construct based upon what some Europeans decided it was going to be. You know, the black man has a role to play in even that. You know, so I choose to think that you have to have a certain level of consciousness. And when I say level of consciousness, I'm talking about consciousness. It has nothing to do with your educational background. It has nothing to do with where you're from. It has to do with how you identify yourself in this world. Right. And the, 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 the causes that you take up in your own community, how you view yourself, your children, your family. Right. And that dictates to me what, black, what, what, what being black in America is. If we're going to have these racial categories, I am going to be... We as people can be a, be a part of what that social construct, uh, uh, although arbitrary. Let's you know, let's let's, let's be a part of that arbitrariness as well, if need be. Mm-hmm. One last thing I'd like to say here before we go here, I just wanted to put that in your mind so that you at least give it some consideration because one issue you were correct on point with, and then you the second issue you you also correct and on point with. The problem is. The majority of people are designed that way because if you have a black child who marries a white child, I mean a white uh, person, and their children, out of uh, 20 kids if they had them, how many of those kids would be white? Zero, the way things work in this world. And that's why America has this issue of about how we view race. Please go online and check it out. Barbershop Talk HFD, like harryfrankdavid.org. It's called The Race Test. I'd love you to check it out, and and, and hopefully you'll come back on, and I'm going to ask you how you felt about that. Th- thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you, brother Woody. I, I appreciate it. Well, well, Cousin Chris has his own segment, so he'll definitely be back. We're going to stay on the phone lines. Uh, we have Thelma from New Jersey. Thelma, welcome to Evening Words. You're on with Cousin Chris. Do you have a question or a comment for him? 
Um, no, I don't, but I would like to speak to, um, you know, you and him. Sure. Um, yes, and congratulations on getting a full-time position there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, so we're, it's appreciated. All the work that you do and all of the other hosts is one of the toughest jobs ever <laughs> because you sacrifice a lot in your life to be there for us. Thank, Thank you, Miss Thelma. I appreciate that. Yes. I made a list of things. I'll make it real quick and fast. Okay. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention um, was that um, the, one of the most important things that we can do as part of a solution is to, uh, of our problem as black people is to take care of your own family. Mm. Because if you take care of your own family, you, you you know you be like a watchdog on your children, your grandchildren. Mm. Then you have time for other people's children. You know when you see that they are in trouble, that will prevent a lot of this um, violence against us mm. as a people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I wanted to um, mention is that we need to make a plan for ourselves because we live in a two system. Um, country, mm. and there really is no plan for black people. Everybody else is coming here, and we are being displaced. Mm. Um, do what their needs, and you know you can't fault people for coming here. But when they do come here, um, one thing we have to realize is that they come with something. They come with skills, mm. and this is the difference between them and us because it came from an independent country that has has their own full infrastructure and yet we're here and we live in the biggest the mightiest country in the world and our young people are not getting the skills that they need uh, to build business to build build wealth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we need to be uh, conscious of that and try to look towards the solution to our problem Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's basically what I wanted to say for now. And um, so hopefully um, the, the, with what's going Oh, the other thing was the, the man, a young man that got shot mm-hmm. in that, um, that uh, store that mm-hmm. had the, the casinos or whatever. I, I, I'm just so disturbed by that. And I feel really bad because you know, um, it didn't have to go down like that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope that we all reach out to the family and that, you know, as, as a matter of fact, I really feel like we should be in the streets because that was the most disturbing thing I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time. And the reason why a lot of these young people have guns in the first place is because they got it for self-protection. It, that is true. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, Miss Thelma, but that, that is actually true. I mean, to assume that a young person in Philadelphia is carrying a gun because they want to rob someone is probably not the right assumption. There are many, many young people who are carrying guns strictly for protection. Well, continue to do the work that you do. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can look at some type of positiveness to Mm -hmm. focus on ourselves. Because I am telling you, this country is on a collision course because everybody knows the moves to make Mm -hmm. in order 
to um, put us in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And it goes back from the, the, the Israel war, mm-hmm. um, and they knew the outcome of what that would be and how, you know, the other countries would, would you know, go against our country. And the same thing with um, the other country, um Ukraine and Russia, yeah. Thank, thank you, Miss Thomas. Ukraine, mm-hmm. same thing. Thank and they, and, and look, they know the moves. They, it's a strategy, like a game of chess, mm-hmm. and it's a strategy, and we cannot fall into it. But we're already into it, so it's going to be a very thin line of what's you know, what could be occurring in the future. Mm-hmm. So we need to get prepared for that and buy two of everything. You know, fill your... I'm serious. I, I hear you, Miss Norman. Thank you so much. We got to get ready to go to the break here. So, so Cousin Chris, I and I, I hope I don't sound like some conservative person in saying this, but I am one of those people who really believe that as black people... As you become an adult, you've got to take care of your family and take care of your own. Like, I I know that there's different structural things that impede that and there's like all the hurdles and all the stuff. But I just feel like that's a foundational piece before we even talk about a plan, which we're going to have to talk about when we come back from break. Before we even talk about a plan, I agree with the caller that you got to take care of your own. But is that is that sound is that sound off base to you, cuz? I mean, where, 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 where are you at on that piece? No, not at all. I mean, I think that. You know, in the, in if we are, um, you don't just you don't walk around and say "What's up, fam?" You know, you, you we say these <laughs> these 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 sort of we we allude to these sort of familial bonds, mm-hmm. but we have to activate these familiar mm-hmm. familiar bonds. I think in our last show, I mentioned that you know you gotta you, you should talk to your neighbors on your block. Mm-hmm. You know, you should you when you see wrong things on your block, you should do something about it. Somebody is hungry in your block. You should help them. If, if, you know, being a good neighbor is, is you know, if, if that's what we're, you know, that's what we're taught, and that's what people wear crosses on their necks, then you have to live that life. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not, you're not being a good neighbor, where 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 it starts in your own community. I mean, I, that's the vibration that you want to uh, build build out from. So yeah, I agree with you in total in, in totality. The other thing I wanted to mention, James, where you said that. You know, you know, there are people who live in urban communities who own guns for the right reasons, whether legally or illegal. Correct. And I want to be very clear about that. You know, my mother was a secretary of church and she had a shotgun under her bed mm. to protect her family, to protect her cubs. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if she had a license for that. I doubt that she did. <laughs> not in Newark, New Jersey. She did not have a license for that in Newark, New Jersey. Well, it was a shotgun, so maybe it's possible. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and she was the kindest, sweetest woman, you mm-hmm. know. But she literally had a shotgun under her bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's legit. Listen, you're listening to Evening Words. I'm your host, Dr. James Peterson. We're live on WRD 900 AM, 96.1 FM. We're in conversation with Cousin Chris for the critical commentary with Cousin Chris segment here on Evening Words, and we'll be back after these messages. Time for a traffic update on Word Radio. Watch for heavy delays on 95 northbound between Allegheny Avenue and Bridge Street. We're kind of heavy on the southbound side as well from Woodhaven Road to Academy Road. Heavy volume on the Schuylkill Expressway, eastbound side Montgomery Drive to University Avenue. And westbound, we jam up University Avenue to Girard Avenue and City Avenue to Belmont Avenue. Line Expressway, that's heavy westbound the entire length. 95 to the Schuylkill on the eastbound side, we jam up Schuylkill to Broad Street. Watch for delays on the boulevard northbound, 76 to Broad Street. 35 
bypass. That's heavy westbound 100 to uh, Route 282. Police activity in Newtown Square, Route 252 southbound between Westchester Pike and Cedar Grove Road. This report is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Join the growing team at Progressive Insurance. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. And for more traffic information, log on to Sigler.com. I'm Jason Lee with your Philadelphia area traffic. Join Evening Words host James Peterson on Wednesday, February 7th at 6 p.m. for Black City Makers, a conversation about cultural heritage preservation at Mother Bethel AME Church, located at 419 South 6th Street in Philadelphia. This program is part of Legacy Reclaimed, a 7th Ward tribute, a project highlighting the historical contributions and impact of Black Philadelphians on an area of Center City that was the backbone of our community from the 18th century through the height of segregation. This event is free to attend. Please register at wordradio.com forward slash Black City Makers. Can't join us? We will be broadcasting live, so tune in to Evening Words to hear more about this hidden legacy. You can also watch live via Word TV on Facebook, Twitch, and wordradio.com. Join us live at Mother Bethel AME Church or tune in to Evening Words at 6 p.m. next Wednesday, February 7th for Black City Makers, part of Legacy Reclaimed, a 7th Ward Tribute. Tune in to Word Radio this Thursday at 10 a.m. for City Council Live, hosted by Ernest Owens. Join conversations that matter to your community with your local city council members. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At 4 in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full-time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Want the latest in word swag? Check out the shop tab on wordradio.com. Hoodies, tees, and more in a variety of colors. It's the shop tab on wordradio.com. You can look good and show the world that you're all about Black Talk Media. Where's the professor? And now back to Evening Words with Dr. James Peterson on WURD, Progressive Black Talk media uh welcome back to evening words i'm your host dr james peterson we're live here on wrd 900 am 96.1 fm we are in our, a segment that we call critical commentary with cousin chris so i want to welcome back to the program chris norwood shout out to everybody listening on facebook gary Raphael obono's on there dr bobby's on there tony roberts out shout out to tony what's up big tone joanne uh garrick's and k Kenneth, Norm, Harry, Malcolm, Cynthia, Arthur, Ayatunde, Lily, Harold, Mimi. If I missed your name, I'm sorry. It's it's hard to keep up because you guys move fast on that Facebook uh, thread. Cousin Chris, so so 
the plan for black people right now. We're, we we you know we only have a few minutes left here, right? So so we I don't know I don't know if there's a plan that we can point to, but it's 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 strange to me for people to say, oh, we don't have a plan because I'm my first follow up question to that is like, well, well, what what do you mean? I mean, there are a lot of different plans out here in the world, and historically there have been different plans. I think directed at and for black folks and so i i i'm just i'm not i, I wonder how you respond to to that um uh, uh um insight from uh from uh, uh sister thelma who, who was our last caller well i would i would i would say a plan for what like a plan to deal with what exactly right i have questions yeah that's that's what i, I mean because because they're you know like there's some at least in some of the things that I research and like there's there's lots of different plans and incredible activists working like to reform the prison system and mass incarceration like they have plans like there's things that they're doing it's not just about protesting either like they have policy plans they have objectives and goals I mean like but if you if you ask me if, if it's an if it's an if it's a uh, ambiguous question mm-hmm. as to plan meaning not specific is there economic development plan is there a a new uh, is there a healthcare plan? Is mm. there uh, something dealing with gun violence? Is there something dealing with you know uh, housing? I mean, there's organizations there, that have there plans are, for all those things, right? But if you ask me broadly, what you know, it sounds like there's a question about is there some pill that we can take right. and wake up tomorrow and everything's going to be all right? I would say uh, there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get into these sort of issue we didn't get into these problems overnight mm-hmm. and so there needs to be incremental change in order to lift ourselves out as a group as a people mm-hmm. if that's what we're, if we're talking from that perspective but there's one common denominator i believe james and most of the issues that affect the african-american community mm-hmm. whether you're in philadelphia whether you're in chicago whether you're in new york whether you're in your rural whether you're in a suburban community whether you're in an urban community mm-hmm. and that is education mm. when you look at the, the importance of literacy, when you look at how literacy determines so much in our society, yep. how literacy determines so much about our criminal justice system, yep. uh, when you look at the amount of people who are in jail who are not literate, who cannot read. The majority, the majori- the wait, hold people, on, hold on. Let's give them the real, the majority of black folks who are incarcerated are not literate. Correct. And so... When you talk about the high school graduation rate of those people who are in incarcerated, when you talk about that, then you, you begin to understand that a lot of those issues can be solved by kids, little kids, learning how to read. Uh, mm. When you talk about the, 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 the word gap in our community, and when I say word gap, I'm talking about the word gap between a four-year-old in our community and a four-year-old in another community. We're talking about thousands of words, if not tens of thousands right. of word right. differences. Like right. so when you really dig into some of those sort of issues as a as a stopgap or a pill that we could take, to me it is literacy. And literacy creates other forms of illiteracy, whether it's technology illiteracy, yep. Yep. you know what I mean? Whether yep. whether it's the, the, the new economies that are emerging mm-hmm. that we are not literate in. Uh, green energy that we are not literate in, hmm. you know what I mean? And so w- when we focus on issues of literacy, literally reading, you know what I mean? I think 
but it's not sexy, right? No one really wants to talk about. It is uh, not uh, sexy, uh, cousin Chris, but it's one hundred percent something that I think touches everybody. Again, it doesn't solve it doesn't solve health disparities, it doesn't solve the wealth gaps, it doesn't solve James, when you look at when you look at if you were to dissect your life and to dissect your friends' lives who are doing well, um, I think what you're gonna find is that the moment you picked up picked up a book, the moment you enjoy reading is the moment that your life changed. And sometimes that happens at a young age. Sometimes it happens while you're in prison. You That's know what right. I'm saying? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll push it even further because I don't really have a lot of friends who inherited wealth. I got one or two here and there, but I have a lot of friends who inherited wealth. I would say that all of my friends and everyone who we grew up with and grew up around, Chris, I would say that education is what led them to whatever modicum of success they have. And I was so obsessed with literacy as a young kid. I still remember, the, I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a little book about a rabbit that my mom was using to teach me how to read. Shout out to my mom. I love you, mom. My, my, my mom is listening, Chris. And so there's, there was a little book, and, and mom, maybe you remember the name of this book. There was, there was a little book that they were that my parents were using to teach me how to read about some rabbit or whatever. And you know, I have older brothers, so my older brother knew how to read. He was like smart and all this stuff. So I wanted to learn how to read. I wanted to learn how to read so bad, young Jordan, that I memorized the book so I could memorize what it sounded like so I could fake like I was reading the book before I was literate enough to read. This is what I'm like three years old, three, four years old. I can remember the book. I just memorized like what everybody was saying or what they were saying when they were reading it to me and memorized so I could read it back to them and wrote, even though I didn't really know how to read the words, Chris. So that was my affinity for wanting to be literate in the kind of family that we we come up in where it's, it's, there's a premium put put on education. I know that's not the answer for everybody, but I love and that. Just but on reading literacy yeah, reading and literacy that's right reading. that's right because the library is free James the library is free come on there are books in the library the library is free you can learn whatever you want to learn mm-hmm. in the library and, and so the, the reason why I bring this up is because you know we don't talk about it but it's so true hmm. that you know when we look at the psychosis that our community has in so many different areas Literacy is the common denominator. I remember there was a point in time in which uh, prisons were being created in certain communities by tracking dropout rates. Rate That's right. In, 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 in fourth That's right. grade reading levels That's in right. certain communities. That's right. Because you can t- you can scientifically determine based upon fourth grade reading levels in the community how many people are going to jail. That's right. And if you know that then you can, we can arguably say that when we start talking about, you know, um, uh, reading to our children, uh, making sure that these kids don't go to school in the first grade so far behind that they never catch up. You know what I mean? So those are the things that I think about when uh, we We talk about these issues of a plan. Yeah. Um, When people say that, you know, I don't know what they're talking about, but if we talk about some pill that might help a lot literacy and, and one goal literacy it would be to focus on early learning and literacy, literacy. and communities of poverty and communities of color because when you think about it james one of the smartest people that you know yeah all i remember her doing when when, when she was like 12 or 13 was read romance novels all day long yeah that's right 
That's your sister Ginger, who's That's a medical right. doctor. She's a psychiatrist with all types of boards, all kinds doctor. of board certification. Bro, she she and again she was devouring she romance. Devouring like, them drugs, bro. Trash all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but look, but then when she had to learn those words in those medical books, her mind was trained. We got, Chris, we got to take one more call. We got Nick from Overbrook. Yes. Nick, uh, welcome to Critical Commentary with Cousin Chris. Do you have a question or comment for Chris? Information. One way. Hello? Uh, hello, Nick. Yes, you're, you, you're, you're on Evening Words. Do you have a, a question yes, for Cousin Chris? Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, James. Thank you for taking my call, sir. I just want to make a couple statements. I listened to Mr. Jones this morning. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he said a couple of people was like saying that somebody called in to um, say that you know, they knew this, this guy had a gun on him when they came to the store, like a welfare check. They kind of first made it play it out. But here's my thing. If that is true, with this new mayor at the table, this is going to happen again. We come to the second month of the new year. I've done training. I'm still in training. But I mean... When they, if, if this is true, why do they go in there and just, you know, they see these guys and they play the machine, hit the floor. You know, you see some cop stuff. Isn't that to go there? Everybody's down, you know, to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. And this new, um, I'm going to say this other thing. This new um, police that um, Charles Co- Ramey. Com- Commissioner uh, Bethel. Commissioner, right. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I hope, you know what I mean? I'm up there in my 70s, man, but he's a good man. But I can see the rage. He needs to slow down. Lord knows he don't need no stroke. Mm-hmm. Because it's getting warmer. And if she invoked this um, stop and frisk, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see more of the incidents that's going on. And here, I got to get training once a month, the work I do. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the officers, they out here, they wired. I see it every day. If they can, like, one, one day out of a month, Bring them back in. They didn't go to court to testify. Mm-hmm. Bring them back, you know what I mean, into some kind of training. Bring them back to some kind of counselor to say, hey, man, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Let's build a post, you know? Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, Mr. Jones was saying this morning, why is it always happening to black on black crime? So here we go again, you know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. looking for money to try to fix this and fix that. You know, they can't do it. You know what I mean? With money, you got to sit down and have the meetings. They got to be ongoing. If this Megan decides, like, I'm going to go to the city, like they run, they run for election. Let me pick this church. Mm-hmm. Go out and get the OGs to come out there, have an have a, have a hour meeting. What, what's going on in your neighborhood? What's going on here? You know, these people in this building I'm at, they scared to come out. They got one other I'm telling you, you got kids living off their grandparents. Yeah. They throw them out. They leave their laundry here. And it's a whole lot, man, that we're as though we can, like, just get another look at it. Here's money programs to offer, but you got to want it. Mm-hmm. And half the kids can't even read. That's what we you were just talking I mean? about, Brother Nick. We was just talking about that. I got to let you go, brother, because we got to let Cousin Chris go. Cousin Chris, you want a quick quick response to that? I mean, I did a cursor review of some data. And what I'm seeing, and, and anybody correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize. It's just a cursor review. <clears throat> Is that I'm reading things that are saying that 67% of third graders in Philadelphia are not reading at grade level. That is absolutely correct. There, we have we have a lot of challenges around literacy rates in the city of Philadelphia. And here's the thing, Chris. 
I don't even know if we've done this correlation of the data in the city, but we we are one of the as a large city in this country, one of the poorest cities, and in fact, one of the most concentrated poor cities in America. But we also have some of the lowest literacy rates, not just in the city, but also in our in our school system. So, so I would say I would say James, seventy percent of third graders, are, if they're not, if sixty-seven percent, sixty-eight percent of third graders are not reading at grade level, it's only getting worse. That's right. By the time, as those years It's go very on. hard to recover. And, and I would say that, you know, is going to be what your criminal justice system looks like in Philadelphia in 10, 15 years. That's right. And so if you want to accept things the way they are and work towards the future, we have to figure out how to increase the literacy rates of third grade and fourth grade and be as vigilant about that as we are about anything else related to criminal justice, because that is a criminal justice issue. And that is the problem that we're not identifying. We are identifying the outcomes of problems and not trying to find solutions to the problems for tomorrow. The problem for tomorrow are those third graders that you see walking around the streets right now, that's sitting on stoops, that are going to that, that store with that, with that gambling machine. And don't know how are, to read. And, they don't, and they're walking around and don't know how to read. Those are the kids that are going to be the problems that are going to be in those prisons in 15 right. years unless we stop them now. And that's something that we can do. That's right. We can do that. Yeah, we, we can do that in our community, on our block. We can encourage the kids on our on the block that we live. That's right. To we can read to them. We can go into the schools and read to them. Because, because we, because we, we got, because we got to go, we got to, when we, the next, the next critical commentary, because we already got the next issue, right? Let's, let's talk a little bit more about literacy. Let's dial that. Let's dig into those numbers and talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the next time you have time, and we have time uh, to have you on. But thank you so much well, for let's joining. Let's identify me. someone in Philadelphia who, who can really come in. Can and, let's, let's go. Let's go. Thank you, because I appreciate. You. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 